0: Thomas Curran is an associate professor at the London School of Economics and a world-leading expert on perfectionism. He has written for the Harvard Business Review. He has a TED Med talk entitled, Our Dangerous Obsession with Perfectionism is Getting Worse. Thomas is also the author of a new book, The Perfection Trap, Embracing the Power of Good Enough. Thomas Curran, welcome to Down 40 Love.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to our chat.
0: Maybe we can get started with your origin story and how you became associated with perfectionism.
1: Goodness me. Uh, Okay, I'm going to give you the really short uh, whistle-stop tour. So um, I grew up in a small town. Uh, I would say not very academically ambitious, but I was very lucky, actually, because uh, I came through at a time when uh, the government in the UK was um, giving grants to young people to go to university. So I kind of figured, why not? Um, so I went to university to study sport, which is uh, why I think our conversation would be interesting today. I studied a lot of um, issues around sport. And in particular, I was fascinated with psychology of sport, what motivates athletes, what what le- what are the factors that impact on high performance. And through that process, just having to meet the the right person at the right time, I suppose, somebody who was doing research in the area um, and had a, a PhD available. So I went with him uh, up north to do my PhD uh and I started to really get interested after that process of um of perfectionism because perfectionism is something I think I I felt that I suffered from a little bit and um there wasn't much work but the work that was out there was tended to be oriented in kind of performance settings one of which was work um uh, sorry sport uh and so that was where I really started to Uh, Get fascinated. Try to learn more about perfectionism, what it is, what it does to us, and importantly, where it comes from. And a couple of years after my PhD, I started to collect collect a lot of data in my spare time on levels of perfectionism across you know many, 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 many years. I had about thirty years worth of perfection data I collected. In the end, that took me a long time to collate. But once I've done it, I uh, sifted through it, analyzed it, and found perfectionism was rising among time. And that was when my research really started to take off because that's when uh, the mainstream media became very interested in the trends they i guess hooked onto a, a bit of a zeitgeist i suppose uh, <laughs> and my work began begun to get elevated so i did the ted talk as you mentioned and i've also just written a book called the perfection track which kind of explores those trends in a little bit more detail uh so that's basically where i am
0: were you an athlete growing up
1: i was i was a soccer player um i mean everyone's got their story haven't they but it's quite a good soccer player. I was in the academies, Forest and Villa. Um, but uh, I was what uh, Sean, my uh, colleague at Bath, uh, he's, he studies biology and maturation, uh, calls an extreme late developer. So I developed really, really late. Uh, so lots of young uh, boys just sail past me, fitter, stronger, healthier, more agile. And so I got cut, unfortunately, from the academy system at, uh, when I was Uh, 12 or 13 and uh that was really really hard for a young person actually because you don't really see though you know you can look back at it being you know just fate you know unfortunately that's the way you were born and you just didn't have the (laughs) physical attributes but at the time you really go in on yourself and you think ah you know you must be rubbish not very good it's and i didn't play football for a few years after that i only took up football again when i went to university that was how bad it was um so, yeah, I definitely come from an athletic background, which is why I did sport, because I was kind of interested in that area. Um, and that's kind of, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what put me on the trajectory in a weird way, that failure. So or, or no, we shouldn't call it failure. Sorry, that setback um, and to where I am today.
0: How would you define perfectionism? What is it?
1: It's, a, it's an extreme form of deficit thinking at its very root, uh, the idea that I'm not perfect enough, that uh, I'm not good enough, um, that I'm flawed, and I must hide those flaws and imperfections from everyone and all around me, um, and that I must prove to them at all times that I'm okay, that I'm worth something. And in order to do that, I'm going to try and be perfect. So I'm going to create a perfect life, a perfect lifestyle. I'm going to manage impressions at every moment of the day to make sure that other people like me, that other people are valid- uh, validate me, approve of me. Uh, And that deficit thinking really strikes to the heart, I think, of perfectionism's differentiation between uh, what is perfectionism mindset and and, uh, and, uh, things like conscientiousness, meticulousness, diligence, things that are often confused with perfectionism, but are very, very different. They come from a more active and optimistic place of wanting to do better, wanting to improve, wanting to grow. So uh, that's really
0: at root. If you want to get to the nub of it, what perfectionism is. What are the sources of perfectionism? Like what drives it?
1: um well there are many different factors we know genes play a massive role uh, and that's across any personality
0: character that's encouraging
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately you know you're kind of born with it to a certain extent and that's the same with any personality characters by the way so you know there's kind of these inbuilt ten- inborn tendencies and we couldn't do anything about them that's just again just fate um and there is something you know what weirdly is something remarkably comforting about that like that lack of it being out of control something quite comforting about that but having said that there is still a lot for the environment to explain so about 30 to 40 percent of perfection genetic but that leaves a lot for the environment to explain and when you're thinking about the environment you're thinking about all sorts of factors parenting um uh culture at large uh, things like social media which have had an impact undoubtedly things like school and college how competitive and ex- uh, um and pressurized that the workplace which is extremely insecure and um, also very pressurized and imperative to hustle and grind and all the rest of it so there are all sorts of different factors in modern culture and in the broad environment i think weigh on people's perceptions that perfection is the only way to get ahead um but the data is very clear actually that uh, it doesn't make us any more likely to succeed and it comes with a lot of mental health difficulties
0: what do the cultural differences look like or ha- have you had the opportun- opportunity to look at uh, perfectionism um the perspective from different countries because when i was you know getting familiar with your work i mean i'm a hardcore american you know hardcore you know like high achiever, you know, peak performer, leader, you know, I have, a, t- I have teams, you know, that I work with. And my, one of my first thoughts was, how is this going to land? How is this message going to land in America versus how it may land in England? And as mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if I mentioned before, I mean, we have three uh, student athletes on our teams from the UK right now, and they're actually absolutely crushing it, you know, but I'm Good. curious, I'm curious to see, To to hear some of the cultural differences you might have explored, if if there are any that exist.
1: Well, I can't. I mean, you know, we first of all, I'll give you the boring answer to that question, which is we don't have enough data, and the data that is out there isn't very good. So, what we do know is that in cultures, Western cultures, developed economies like uh, the US, UK, Canada, tend to see a lot more what's called self-oriented perfectionism. So, perfection comes from within, inner drive to be perfect. And in more collectivistic culture, you tend to see a little bit more socially socially prescribed perfection as perfection that's perceived to come from outside that's imposing us from outside forces in the broader environment. Those are very um, uh, broad differences and the evidence to support them isn't great, but it is there. So in order to really uh, tap into what you're driving at, because what you're driving at is something super, super important super and super important when it comes to environment is to, we have to look more a little bit uh we have to think of a little bit smarter about how we try to unpack that relationship and look more anecdotally about what's going on in those countries what are the drivers what do, what motivates people and, and let me put it to you really what what do you, you're, you're you've described yourself there as an american uh go-getter what do you think uh characterizes the american psyche particularly in high performance context do you think perfectionism is a is a ne- is, is a necessary evil in that context
0: I don't believe that perfectionism is is a necessary evil, because my experience is that perfectionism stops you from exploring and maximizing your potential. You know, there's a fine line between striving for perfection, Mm -hmm. and I think being a perfectionist. You know, from a negative standpoint, where you know you're you're motivated more by fear. You know, when you achieve certain milestones, you don't take the time to celebrate them because you're already looking at the next mountain. And I'm completely guilty of that. You know, we've, we've been really lucky at McKendree to have quite a bit of success over the last three years. And it's like, it's really never enough for me. You know, I'm always looking, I feel like it's my responsibility as the head coach and the leader, you know, the program to keep setting the horizon that much further out in front of us. And there's a healthy way to do that, um, you know, just mm-hmm. in terms of being more process oriented, you know, and focused on your daily habits as opposed to, you know, just concentrating on outcomes. Um, but it's interesting. I'll give you an, an example from one of my student athletes. Yeah, so we we have a new player who's from the UK. He's a transfer, meaning that he played two years at a junior college the last couple of seasons, mm-hmm. and he's just come to us as, as a junior and I pick him up from the airport, you know, three or four weeks ago and we're chatting and his overall demeanor, and he's from the UK, his overall demeanor was somewhat negative. I said, you know, to myself, I was like, wow, this guy doesn't sound like he has a ton of confidence. You know, you know, you know he mentioned that he didn't compete that much over the summer. He vacationed with his family, so on and so forth. He he really set the bar low. OK, however, once we started practicing and we've competed a little bit the last couple of weeks, the guy's undefeated. He's Mm. one of the most competitive people that I've seen that we've had in our program in the last three to four years. And that's what sort of, that was the origin of my question around the cultural differences, Mm. you know, because he's not the only student athlete on our team from the UK. And I've noticed just different personality quirks or leanings versus your typical quintessential American approach to things like when you first mentioned the 30 to 40 percent of perfectionism is genetic. My initial thought is, well, that's not going to apply to me ever and the people that I work with. You know, <laughs> like we're just we're going to smash that 30 to 40 percent in the face, like get it out of here, like forget about it. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You yeah. know,
0: so I don't know if, if that's helpful feedback, but no. that's my experience.
1: No I love that I love hearing people's experiences because you're absolutely right and you know there is a tendency in different cultures to and you will see you'll see distinct uh, uh trends even, even you know one can never generalize but there are certain features of different cultures and certainly the british culture is to you know we don't like we do not like to big ourselves up <laughs> like we we are taught you know don't get above your station uh, yeah. you know, stay stay humble, just just you know, don't uh because we like to cut people down a little bit. Like I think that's the in a playful way, I should add, but that's the kind of uh that's the kind of uh culture. Whereas in America, like it's just you know, it's it's the American dream philosophy, right? Like you do what you want, you can be what you want, yeah ha- as long as you put the effort in and you remain unblinkingly positive and you put one step foot in front of the other, and it kind of leads to this very effervescent, enthusiastic um type of uh type of personality that certainly i would say has characterized most of my interactions with american people so you're absolutely right like cult- culture does have an tremendous impact on um our tendencies and certainly i would i would argue that perfectionism is one of them particularly in american culture with that imperative to continually do more have more be more uh, that relentless treadmill, so to speak, you know that can create some very positive characteristics, but it also can create, on the other hand, the sense that you know we're never enough. We've always got to be doing more. We've always got to be watching whatever people are doing and how we're performing relative to others. Because one, one lies, one big competition, right? And the onus is on me. So, <laughs> so that's yeah, and that actually is, those are themes I touch on in the book.
0: So th- there's two things that stand out to me uh, around perfectionism at this moment, and the first is scripting. And mm-hmm. programming, which I alluded to earlier, right? Like our environment, yeah. um, and the second is ego, and and I think you you talk a little bit about this in in the TED Med talk. I feel like a lot of people lean on perfectionism. It almost a real casual and lazy way to kind of like ignore what are really blind spots that if they if they actually worked on cultivating their awareness and they actually did the work, you know. They could get to the next level. They can keep expanding their potential. Can you talk a little bit about the role of ego and perfectionism and what that looks like?
1: yeah definitely there's there's a sense in perfectionist can look like perfectionists can look like very ego invested people like on the surface because there's a sense that they need to perfect everything and all around them at all times and prove to everyone else that they're worth something through perfect performances and of course on the surface that can look quite ego invested that well look at me look at how good i'm doing look how perfect i am right but underneath what's going on is something very different. And that's a sense that if, if I don't get that validation from these people, if I don't show you that I'm perfect enough, then I'm going to feel miserable. I'm going to feel very ashamed of myself. I'm going to feel very embarrassed that at that moment in time, I couldn't, I couldn't, have, you know, I couldn't be more, I couldn't have done more. So I think that's, that's, there is, there is a sense that at one level perfectionists look very ego involved, but actually underneath is, is something very offensive. Um, and it's not about the ego at all. And it's more about the concealment and the hiding and the, and the showing a perfect pretense because that soothes those fears of not being enough. And as you mentioned earlier, I think it's very important. We, we look, we see perfectionism through the lens of fear because it's really fear that drives the perfectionistic person, not ego.
0: Can you talk a little bit about the relationship between perfectionism and productivity
1: Yes, I can. Uh, and this is a really hot topic, actually, because uh, one of the things that a lot of people are surprised by reading the book is how I've um, really excavated the literature and, and shown that there is no strong, in fact, non-existent relationship between perfectionism and performance. And that really surprises people because you think, wouldn't you, that perfectionistic people would be more successful because they put in all this effort, they push themselves well beyond <laughs> comfort and all the rest of it. You'd think. But there's two reasons why we don't see uh, very strong correlations the first is that professionals work unsustainably hard so they you know they compromise areas of life that are really rejuvenating and important like rest sleep good diet um exercise and all the rest of it um and they burn out right so they put themselves through so much um uh, cognitive and and physical uh, tension trying to push 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 so they burn out and also uh, they they there's a correlation between perfection and physical ailments too, right? So perfectionist athletes, there's plenty of examples out there um, who work so hard that they put their body through so much strain, they're always injured. <laughs> so they can't, do you know what I mean? Like they can't perform at the peak level because they keep they keep over over um, training. So there's that uh, phenomenon, but there's also something really interesting that perfectionists do that doesn't don't doesn't make them any more likely to succeed. And that's that they self-sabotage their chances of success and they are and and they are so intimately aware of failure that they will avoid failure setback and challenge at the cost of their chances of success this is crucial we share this in in lab experiment after lab experiment so uh, and sport is a really useful context so when when we get people in the lab and we give them a goal and we say okay well based on your fitness you should cover a certain amount of distance certain amount of time on a cycling task let's say for instance and you tell them to go they'll go away and work as hard as they possibly can to meet that goal but when they end the uh that challenge we tell them no matter how they did that they failed right you didn't meet that goal but it's okay you can have another go and this is where you really see that self-sabotage of the perfectionist come out on the second attempt after the first failure because non-perfectionist people they don't really care they just put in the same amount of effort if not a little bit more but perfectionist people their effort drops off a cliff they stop trying they don't want to feel those feelings again that shame that embarrassment that guilt and and so you know they're in their mind you can't really fail at something you didn't try, and I'm sure you've seen this all uh, many many occasions in your profession I see this all the time, uh, in mine where young people just withhold they avoid, uh, they procrastinate that is a, also a very. Um, a strong signature of the perfectionist all in one Herculean effort to avoid those really challenging feelings of shame and embarrassment that they think they're almost certainly going to feel going into this really challenging task or whatever. So that is not at all conducive to performance either. So, so perfectionism and productivity have a really interesting, complex relationship
0: and it's not a relationship most people think. What does perfectionism and burnout look like in the workplace? In the workplace, you
1: so. You're gonna see an you're gonna see perfect, perfectionists might come into an organization and do really well initially, you know. Particularly if you're young, you have got a lot of energy and nothing goes wrong,
0: and they're crushing it. Yeah,
1: yeah. You might see that, but what you will begin to see after a while is that takes its toll uh, on the person themselves, but also the work. Um, it's like in law of diminishing returns, right? Like you there's a, there's a there's a very sweet spot for you know amount of energy invested for productivity. But then comes a threshold, right, where we're working a little bit beyond our comfort zone, and the returns to our effort decline. And then there's going to come a point further on along that uh, road where where the we're not getting inverse returns now because we're tired, we're making mistakes, we're not thinking clearly because we're overworking ourselves to the point at which we feel exhausted. This is a classic symptom of burnout, uh, where we feel a bit, a little bit cynical about our work, like the, we're we're not getting back what we think we should be getting back for the energy invested. Um, and and we're feeling like we're on a bit of a cycle of low achievement because now we're working really hard, but we're compromising our chance of success. We're turning in sloppy work, which is getting fed back, and now we feel bad. So we overcompensate, but working even harder, and so begins this really negative spiral uh, where perfectionists can really find it difficult, left unchecked, um, to maintain high levels of performance. And ultimately, that's what I mean about the unsustainable nature of performance uh, and perfectionism. It, it, there comes a point where they just they just burn out. They just stop. So would
0: you would you say sometimes we're winning and we mistakenly believe that all of the things that we're doing to be successful are the right things and sometimes we succeed in spite of ourselves is would you say that that's true definitely <laughs> Definitely
1: true. I think we have in our minds this idea that the the harder we work, the better we're going to do. But it's not about that at all. It's about thinking it's working smarter, not harder. I know it's a cliche, but it's so true. You know, just 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 working yourself well beyond comfort in the long run is not going to equal success. What we have to accept is that we're exhaustible creatures and we need rest and rejuvenation and it's okay to do those things it's okay to slow down sometimes we finding life a little bit difficult when things come into our life they didn't expect it's okay to let them in and 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 slow down for a second uh, it's okay to go on holiday it's okay to spend time with family and friends and in our communities all these things are really rejuvenating they really replenishing we come to work vitalized and if we come to work vitalized we're going to perform better we're going to be happier and we're going to have more harmonious relationships too all of these things are evidence-based so it really is, you know, it's not as simple as just saying, well, if I shoot for perfection every time and every day, then that's what's going to make me successful. Look, there's nothing wrong with meticulousness, nothing wrong with ambition, nothing wrong with driving, working hard. All these things are great. But it's the old saying, right? Everything in moderation. And, um, uh, you know, as long as we can take, we can we can be reflective. We can take the wins. We can uh, we can accept and um, enjoy our accomplishments as well as take on board those failures, listen to them and learn from them. Those are the most important
0: things. So you're bringing me back to one of my early mentors, which was Don Shula, who was the the famous football coach in the Miami Dolphins and the only head football coach to lead a team to an undefeated season. And it goes back to the early scripting that we were talking about. So, you know, in my twenties, you know, I was learning philosophies through Shula. Like if you don't strive for perfection, you can never reach excellence. You know, he would he jokingly wrote in his book, Everyone's a Coach. He said, said, I go to the the church that I go to. It's called Our Lady of Perpetual Motion. (laughs) You know, yeah. And or you and you could work, you know, that's good. (laughs) You could work the first 12 hours of the day or the second 12 hours of the day. You see where I'm going here. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that he didn't have balance and and so much of my philosophy and I credit a lot of the things I've been lucky to achieve as a coach go back to some of the things that I learned from, from Shula, but it's this scripting and then the unscripting, like the process of what we've learned. And then it's actually the key to the next level is actually not learning more. It maybe it's unlearning, you know, what you've learned that that you (laughs) mistakenly thought has been serving you for so well. Um, Can we pivot a little bit to some, maybe some tactical some some strategies that you could recommend for overcoming perfectionism maybe like two or three takeaways for us yeah of course
1: and i think it's really important to recognize first and foremost that perfectionism is 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 not going to contribute to success it's not holding you up in the world a lot a lot of people find it really difficult to let go of perfectionism because they you know they hold it really dear and they they truly believe, and I did this too, that it's, it's one thing holding them up when everything and all around them seems to be going wrong. And that's a commonly held belief. And I think first and foremost, before anything else, it's really important to recognize that perfectionism isn't doing what you think it's doing. And it's actually holding you back more than it's pushing you forward. That's the first thing. If you want to break through perfection, of letting it go, just letting it go, just saying it's okay, I can let it go. I don't need to manage impressions every day. I, I don't need to um, always make sure that everything i do is, is perfect i can let failure in. i can let sit back soon i can approach challenges so if you want to go to the first tip well take on challenge you know confront things that you find difficult or think you find difficult and do them anyway you know if you're not if you don't feel like you could, you're a very good presenter well put your hand up to do a talk you know uh, if you don't think you're a very good convener of meetings then put your hand up to convene a meeting you know, if you don't think you're a very good writer, put your hand up to write a project. All well, these things take you out of your comfort zone a little bit. But the, the uncertainty and difficulty and discomfort that you'll feel while you're doing them teaches you something really important, actually, about that perfect self that you're trying to push into the world all the time. And ask yourself, is it really worth living in fear for? Is that person really worth living in fear for? The answer is no. <laughs> and as a consequence, do it anyway. Like once you have made that realization, do it anyway. Because that's how you learn. You know, you push yourself out your comfort zone. You do things that you are um, not familiar with. You find challenging, but nevertheless are important uh in your you know growth trajectory and whatever you're doing. So push yourself out your comfort zone is really important. And while you're doing that, be be very compassionate to yourself. Try to treat yourself with kindness. Things aren't going to go wrong. Uh, so I'm going to go wrong all the time. You are going to have a bad talk you are going to give a bad project you are going to get some feedback from your manager that isn't as positive as you wanted it to be don't go in on yourself in those moments be really kind to yourself and tell yourself it's okay you know there's always next time there's always next time uh that's so so important and and fairly i think that the rational thinking black and white thinking very characteristic of perfectionist of person i have to do this i've got to do that it has to be done tomorrow it has to be done this minute Write those feelings down, don't dismiss them and ask yourself like how much you actually believe that? Like is it a must or is it would like to? Or is it would be nice if? Um, and that helps us break down those kind of very pressurized in the moment has to be done, right this moment. And it also teaches actually, you know, when we don't reach them, if it's if it's a would like to, then if we don't reach it, well that's okay because you know, we didn't put as much pressure on it as as perhaps we would have done if we thought differently about that situation. So I think also Allowing ourselves space to fail, allowing ourselves space to not do something if the situation dictates it, is also really freeing for our uh, mental health. So, those are, I guess, are three pieces of uh, uh, advice I would give people if they're
0: struggling with If we only coached ourselves <laughs> like we coach others. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's it. Thomas, what does down 40 love mean to you? Uh, it means uh, you're in trouble. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but don't panic um you know some of the some of the best times in life are when you're really against it um and actually like you don't you take you don't want to take perfectionistic tendencies into these situation because you will catastrophize and you will never overcome the challenge so um so you've got to be flexible you've got to be agile you've got to be able to accept and move with the difficulty and sometimes you know you're going to lose that you're going to lose that next point that means you lose the game or perhaps the match and that's okay but sometimes you know if you can if you can put the work in if you can dig deep if you can um give everything that you possibly can to push yourself out there and into that challenging situation not recoiling from it then you never know maybe you might overcome it maybe you might get to juice or maybe you might even win the game and save the match and go on to win it you never know but you don't you're not gonna know if you don't try so that's what it means to me
0: you sound like a tennis player. We may have to recruit you for the team. <laughs> I used to play tennis actually, but I wasn't very good, so I'm not sure you. I'm not sure you want me on your team. <laughs> Thomas, what do you want your legacy to be? Oh my goodness me!
1: I don't. I don't want. I don't want a legacy for me. I'd like the work that I I put into the world to have impact. I want people. To, I'd like to be able to learn from it, to be inspired by it, to to find out something new about themselves, about the world around them. That those are the most important things. I'd see my job as a more as a vocation uh than any, than anything else and um so yeah i guess i guess if you want the answer to that question directly i don't think i don't want my legacy to be to be impact and, and having made difference in people's lives where can people find you online uh, if you google thomas curran the perfection trap you'll find me and the book and uh i'd encourage your listeners to uh get in touch if you do read because i'd love uh, reader feedback and i love to hear from readers so please do get in touch
0: Do you have any, um, last parting words for our audience?
1: Uh, I would just say recognize perfect. If you, if you do recognize perfectionism in yourself, um, I I think it's really, really important to take meaningful steps in a different direction. Um, and, and always remember that you are enough no matter what happens, whether it's good or whether it's bad or whether you hit challenge or whether you are successful, you're always enough. No matter what, um, life throws at you. And that's the most important thing to remember. So, uh, that would be my pie,
0: Thomas. Thanks so much for your time. It's a pleasure being with you. It's really great stuff.
1: Thank you, Renee. Appreciate that.